0: Welcome to Roll Call, a 126th Air Refueling Wing podcast of the Illinois Air National Guard at Scott Air Force Base. I'm your host, Technical Sergeant Brian Ellison. The Roll Call podcast focused on people, mission, and community. Hello to our deployed friends. Thanks for listening to Roll Call. I know you guys are getting excited because you're coming home soon. Coming up, the Director of Psychological Health and her assistant, and because it was Drill Weekend, we'll have, we'll have Ask an Airman question. We'll also hear from a member. We'll hear that member talk about uh, his goals for the year in Ask an Airman. The Combined Federal Campaign is going on now through January 15th. The the campaign is, you can still donate even after that. The CFC is the largest, world's largest, and most successful annual workplace charity campaign with almost 200 CFC campaigns throughout the country and overseas, raising millions of dollars each year. Pledges made by federal civilian Postal and military donors during the campaign season will support eligible nonprofit organizations that provide health and human services benefits throughout uh, the world. The Air Force plans to create a working group on mental health and resiliency to help combat suicide among airmen. Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force Joanne Bass said suicide prevention is a top priority for the Air Force and the group plans on bringing together people working on these issues with airmen and families. The group will also include airmen directly affected by these issues who can provide examples of gaps in the system that need to be fixed. Chief Bass is looking into why an airman who attempted suicide last year was given a letter of reprimand and a letter of counseling. Though the airmen has since separated, Chief Bass noted, this situation gives us an opportunity to reflect on the culture we need where airmen understand their responsibilities as both leaders and airmen. Chief Bass went on to say, a culture where respect, trust, accountability and compassion guide our actions. Drill was just this past weekend and our Ask an Airman question was, what are your goals for the 2021 year? Coming up on our interview with Linda Shu, we'll talk about setting goals for the year. Also, if, uh, if you can, you may want to watch this episode on YouTube to see Benji Cam. So I asked uh, Senior Airman Randolph David, who just moved here from DC, just came into the unit. Uh, Senior Airman David is with Avionics in the Maintenance Group. I asked him what his goals are for 2021.
1: So my goal for the year is to apply to grad school and get accepted, and uh, start my new process with that. What are you going to? What do you want to study? Uh, systems engineering and probably a master's and uh, MBA as well. I uh-huh. so try to see a systems engineering or MBA lab program that's what i'm trying to do okay since i work on avionics now uh, which is essentially systems engineering just more on the mechanical side um, i apply that and maybe apply to the officer uh, maintenance officer Uh, that's the direction i think i want to go with and then if i get the mba as well that'll help me teach me how to manage people, man, systems, things like
0: that. Joining us today on Roll Call is Linda Shu, the Director of Psychological Health, and uh, Benji is uh, here in the studio as well. Linda, uh, thanks for coming in today.
2: Thank you. I appreciate the time, and I just wanted to talk a little bit about today about You know, psychological health, the program, the things that I do and the things that Benji does. And we'll do a little bit of uh, coping skills today for maybe a new goals and maybe for depression coping skills. That's
0: a a good idea. What services do you provide? I thought I kind of just thought you were a social worker. I I didn't know you had a official title as you do director of psychological health. What uh, services do you guys or do you provide? I guess it's just you right now.
2: Right. It's just me currently, although we do have a new, uh, we have a mental health team coming on board uh, through to traditional. There'll be military mental health. Um, So we'll work together. But currently it's just myself, and you're right, I am just a social worker. So I have a... You're not
0: just a... I mean, social workers are very important. Don't let me, don't let me, uh, don't let anybody say you're just a social worker. If I just said that, excuse me.
2: No, that's okay. But what I meant to say was... Yes, the the title is director of psychological health, but I am a social worker in that role. I feel like it's a fancy fancy way of saying I'm a social worker, but it is what it is. So, but here I am, and um, the services we provide are basically so we do counseling, consultation, and referral so the counseling i can usually i can see anybody in the wing and their dependents for say three to five counseling sessions and give them coping skills and talk about how i can best help them Um, we also do consultations so we do consultations for if you came in and you weren't really sure what you needed we could do a consultation commanders first sergeants chiefs can come in if they need uh, suggestions about maybe how to deal with, uh, you know, their, uh, their workers or, uh, you know, people that are with them, if any suggestions they, you know, they might need. And then uh, referrals. So if I can't help you, I'll try to find somebody who will. So um, I'll make referrals. I have connections in the community and with counseling and, psychiat- you know, psychiatric referrals, psychiatrists, doctors and things like that. So counseling, consultation, referral are the the three things we provide.
0: And uh can people see you not just on drill weekends? Can they do that? Can if they if they if they want to see you on drill weekends but they can't fit that into their schedule can they come in during the weeks yes yeah,
2: so my job is full time i'm here i have the same schedule that the uh technicians have during the week so i'm here 7 to four thirty every day and i'm also here on drill weekends yeah i spent uh, so I spent 20 years, uh, five years active duty and uh, 15 years in the guard and I retired. And the joke was, "Yay, I don't have to do drill weekends again. And and lo and behold, I got my favorite job and they said, hey, Linda, you got to do drill weekends. So here I am. I'm, yes, you can see me on drill weekends and during the
0: week. Hey, but you don't have to put the uniform on anymore. That's kind of nice. You were Army, right?
2: Yes, I was uh, uh, military police, Army for five years. And
0: then you, you did uh, 15 years in the Guard, you said?
2: Yes, 15 years in the Army National Guard as an uh, administrative specialist. I worked with the uh, GI Bill and the educational benefits up in Springfield.
0: Oh, God bless you for doing that. I did, well, I did 11 years active in the Army and six years in the Guard. And uh, then uh, all of a sudden, a light shone on me and said, there's another way. Yes. Um, So you've talked about the services that you provide. What is your role in uh, deployments? And uh, first we'll talk about deployments. What's your role in uh, that when people are uh, heading out?
2: So when people are heading out for deployments, uh, we do do a pre-deployment briefing. So I come out and I introduce myself and we also introduce Benji, I guess we'll talk a little bit about Benji later. Sure, yeah. And then, uh, so we do a deployment briefing and tell them about uh, maybe stress response, anxiety response, things like that, things to think about when they're deployed. Um, And then just, you know, kind of get to know them a little bit and let them know that they're dependents. So, you know, the deployment can be hard on the dependent, whether it's a husband deploying or a wife deploying, so, and children too. So I can be there for them as well. And then when they deploy, uh, so we do that. And then when they come back, um, you know, if they're having any issues, any sleep issues, any post-traumatic stress disorder, things like that, they can come back and talk with me and we can kind of get the ball rolling for treatment with them. So it's important uh, to know, you know, those services and where you can reach out to. Oh,
0: yeah. And uh, what I've got to say is that it's great that you recognize that we have stress when we deploy. Back in 1996, when I, no, 1994, 95, I deployed to Guantanamo for the Cuban boat lift. And uh, we kept being told that we weren't, there was, we didn't have stress. You guys aren't stressed. I was like, what are you guys, ta-? it's, so it's nice to see. It seems like uh, you've probably yes. seen it too, is this, this shift in, uh, the attitude towards mental health in the military, at least.
2: Yes, there's definitely a a stress response when you're deployed. And yeah, I hope we, I think we've come a long way from 1994. Yeah. Um, I think they're in acceptance of, um, you know, PTSD, depression, anxiety, stress, things like that. Um, Although I will say, you know, I've been a social worker for 20 years. I will say the military population is one of my favorites because um, we are uh, disciplined, we are um, structured, things like that. We have our family, we have our deployment family, we have our work family, things like that. Um, they are um, a little more higher functioning than some patients that I've had. So I, I do oh, enjoy it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe you don't think so, but
0: <laughs> I enjoy working with the military population. Oh, that's uh, no, that's nice to, to hear that. Um, and I'm sure it makes your job coming to work every day a little bit easier. I'm uh, talking about, I mean, obviously we're talking with you about mental health, but one thing that's been big over the past 10 months, it feels like it's been forever, but, um, uh, Covid and all these restrictions that we're under, how has that affected the wings' mental health? Are you seeing a change? Is there anything maybe a a concern that uh, out there that maybe something we can do to help help with this? What's the first off? Just how has that affected mental health? Covid.
2: So, covid. Yeah, I mean, we've been in this. It'll be, I guess, a year in March, and so um, I've seen. You know, the trend that's coming come upon us is that. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people are more depressed. A lot of more people are at home. They have more time to think about, you know, what they should be doing or shouldn't be doing. Um, they have more marital problems because they're with their spouse more. Um, they're trying to keep up with the house. They're trying to keep up with their kids' schooling. Um, and, the, again, they have more time to think, and then they're um, overwhelmed. So we're seeing a lot of stress response. We're seeing a lot of depression. Um, I would say my caseload is probably increased by about thirty five percent, forty percent since we've had COVID. So seeing a lot more people in the wing, some dependents, uh, things like that. You know, which is um, you know good for uh, job security, but we want people to be well. Um, but they are uh, reaching out and things like that. But those are some of the things we are seeing as far as you know, how COVID has affected the wing.
0: That's important to, that's important to stress. Uh, I know you talked about it earlier, but dependents can also talk to you.
2: Yes. Yes. I can see dependents. So I have, I have a number of uh, dependents that have reached out that have, um, you know, their spouse is deployed. Sure. And so they're going through stress because their spouse's deployment or, or what have you. So, um, yeah, I hope to get the word of, word about, the, you know, that out more so because I feel like, um, you know, they just need the help and they just need someone to talk to. Because some, some spouses don't have family members close. They may not have relationships around them and things like that that can help. So definitely, you know, letting people know that I can see their dependents and I can see their children, too.
0: What's a, a good number to reach you at?
2: So, a great number to reach me at is my work cell. So that is uh, 618 363 1426.
0: All right. We'll put that in the the description of uh, this podcast so that uh, folks know to uh, get a hold of you. And and you also, we need to mention that you also have a uh, Facebook page.
2: Yes, we have a helping agencies Facebook page. Yes.
0: And uh, you have some services, you kind of lay out some services and some help with, uh, what do you guys do on that page?
2: Right. So on that page, we have, um, we just, we post, we have different posts about um, coping skills. I do a video, you know, once a month on maybe depression or stress or like uh, helping with insomnia, things like that. Um, We have the Airman and Family Readiness, they do... Uh, po- they do um, additional resources, maybe with finances, different things like that. Um, we've had the chaplains do services on the oh, on the that's nice on the Facebook page as well. So, so yeah, we we post uh, try to post some different things on there. So definitely uh, check it out. And we are linked to the 126 page.
0: Yes, you are you definitely are. What are some, uh, coping skills that, that can help us with, uh, you know, the, the, feelings of anxiety and depression that a lot of people are feeling right now, like you had mentioned, what are some, what are some of those coping skills?
2: So as far as the coping skills for like, especially with anxiety and depression is, um, you know, you may, you want to make sure you're getting enough rest. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not getting enough rest, you're not functioning well, the anxiety can get worse. So the depression can get right. worse. Um with COVID I think we're isolated more, so we try to reach out to family and friends more if we can, if we're at work, um, maybe try to, you know, engage in relationships at work and, and, you know, friendships and things like that. So social engagement, uh, sleeping well is I can't tell you how again, just so essential that is to your well being. Um regular exercise. So um, one goal of mine for the year is to try to exercise three times a week and eat better. Um, But so three times a week, it increases endorphins that help us to feel better. Uh, So the exercise really helps too. And I think uh, the other thing is just, you know, not focusing on negativity. I think sometimes we're Uh, And, you know, just being a human being, we focus on the negative and we focus on the things that are going wrong and not always the things that are going right. But we do have, uh, you know, basic essentials. We do have a job. We do um, have health and family and and just, you know, feeling those positive things in your life, too, is important. So more positive thinking versus negative thinking.
0: Sometimes it's uh, easier said than done.
2: Yes. Yes. How definitely. do you get out of
0: a rut like that sometimes? It's just like, man, it can really, seems like it, for some people, can snowball.
2: Right. The feelings can definitely snowball. And um, I think, you know, it, and then if you're, um, if you can't get out of the rut by yourself, you know, maybe right. talking to a counselor or talking to a chaplain, we have the chaplains here too as well. But I think, um, you know, one one of the things I've noticed with the COVID is people, um, are not in routine and they're not in structure as much as they were before. So if you are at home working from home, those of you that are working from home, try to have a routine, try to have some structure, get up every day, eat your breakfast, get your coffee, get your shower, get dressed, hmm. <laughs> and then, you know, go to work for the day, do the things. So staying in that routine will also help you get out of that rut and that negative thinking um you know, working on the negative thinking, and then I always encourage uh, spirituality. Now, spirituality doesn't necessarily have to be that you that you believe in a certain God or or whatever, but it could be spirituality could be relationships, spirituality could be nature, things like that. So, engaging in spirituality or whatever being you worship um, could be helpful in getting out of that rut too, because you feel that that being, you know, might help you. Um, would be your uh, would be powerful in, in helping you to get
0: out of your depression, right? You mentioned goals earlier, and that that can help us get out of that rut and start yes. maybe thinking uh, a little bit more positive in this this time, especially you know not even just this times of COVID, but this time of winter. Um, what are some uh, what are how can we start uh, and try to keep? keep with our goals
2: okay so yeah I, I definitely am a uh, in favor of New Year's resolutions I know we always hear that and say that but um, you know trying to think of a goal for the new year uh, you don't want to over overwhelm yourself with too many goals right um, you want to pick something that's achievable to you um, it might be a financial goal maybe getting out of debt it might be relationship goal working on your marriage or working on a friendship it could be a career goal uh, maybe getting promoted or doing your uh, CDCs and things that you need to do for that for your career. Or it could be education, maybe finishing your degree, right. things like that. And then you also want to write down your goals. So uh, writing, writing things down, there's a real connection between writing things down and um, getting things done. Because, uh, you know, we're in our head a lot. We think a lot. And so... I might think about, you know, uh, working out three days a week, (laughs) but if I write it down on my desk, in the the corner of my desk every day and look at it, it's a little bit different. And so writing it down is important. Um, And then try to do something towards that goal every day. So, um, you know, just one achievable thing you can do every day. And then share your goal with someone because that could be encouraging to them and then it also provides accountability. So if I said, hey, uh, Brian, I, you know, I'm going to work out three days a week, and you see me walking down the hall, and you say, hey, Linda, how you doing with your uh, yeah. workout schedule, you know? And I might go, oh, wow, I haven't done that in a while. And it, You know, it just encourages me. It's just encouraging. Sure, so. yeah.
0: I mean, one of my goals is just try to get out of the house, like five minutes earlier than I usually do, just so that I, I'm not – Rushing down the highway, let's say. I get here on time, a couple minutes before 7, but I'd like to be here just a little bit earlier. So I'm trying to work on that, getting out of the house maybe at 6 o'clock instead of 6. Well, I tried 6 o'clock, and I was like, well, maybe that's too big from 6.10. So let's go back to 6.05, get out of the house by 6.05. So I'm working towards that, making these small... Achievable goals one step at a time. Yes. I'm trying yes. To do. Very good. Yeah. Um, you talked about some of the uh, services, and uh, we have to talk about uh, the big service, I guess you could call them, is uh, Benji. <laughs> yes, Benji. Benji just showed up out of, it seems like nowhere, last, was it last year that he? Yeah, last he, he December. Came? He's been
2: with us for a year.
0: Yeah. Um, what, Benji, what do you do? Besides uh, look cute and lay around and uh, <laughs> let us up. pet you. Benji, out. come here. Come here, bud. Come on up. You want to talk? No? Yeah. Come on. Benji, up. <laughs> come here. Come up here. So we have Benji here, Benji and uh, Benji uh, just kind of laying in the studio, just kind of yeah. chilling out with his... Uh, chilling out. Yeah, with yeah his, Benji is... Yeah, he's got his uh, patches on. and uh, So uh, how did, how did uh, Benji come into the wing?
2: So, Benji, um, so some of my colleagues have therapy dogs, and so I got information um, about how to obtain a therapy dog. Uh, So, he's actually called a facility therapy dog. So, he's not my therapy dog, per se. So, there was a lengthy application, and because I work for the military, they were willing to donate him to the wing. Right. Um, And he's from Southeastern, or Southwestern uh, Guide Dogs in Pometo, Florida. So, Oh Benji. wow. Yeah, Benji comes from Florida. And so, um, he was uh he's been trained since he's been a puppy, so he's been in 2 years of training. Wow. And it's mostly obedience training, but he does he will um he does this thing called lean in when I have patients and he'll kind of lean in on you if you're stressed or depressed or anxious.
0: I guess I'm not depressed. He's walking away from me.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, he was he was leaning in on you oh, earlier. He was. So, yeah. yeah. Maybe that's
0: maybe now I'm uh, calm. I do get a little stressed before interviews.
2: Right. Um, right. So he does. So he does kind of that lean in on thing. You know, with with uh, with patients, and then we go around to units and we visit uh, we visit. Uh, members of the wing, and they love him. They just love seeing him and petting him and things like that. So he's been a real uh, great addition to my services here. And he just – he loves everyone, and they love him, Mm -hmm. and and, uh, he's been really good, so – Um, And he's he's just very lovable. He's very disciplined. Somebody asked me the other day, does he bark?
0: (laughs) It's a golden retriever thing. Not many golden retrievers bark, from what I understand.
2: Yeah, he does bark sometimes when somebody's at the door at our house. Oh, really? Yeah,
0: but that's the only time my dog doesn't even do that. Yeah, my dog growls like Chewbacca. Yeah, (laughs) that's pretty funny. Um, So, so does he? Does he help out? In your uh, caseload uh, or in your meetings with people, does he kind of open people up when?
2: So he does, and I do have I do have members that will come by, um, and they'll just sometimes they'll just say, "Hey, you know, I want to come by and see Benji," and then they'll say, "You know, oh, by the way, uh-huh. you know, I got something else I got to talk to you about." So I feel like it did it it has opened a door for more uh, members to come in and see me and. Um, Because there's, you know, there's a stigma with mental health. Definitely a stigma. And so I feel like having Benji has really helped that, too. So, and the other thing we have, too, is um, we have massage chairs. Oh, yeah, that's right. There were two massage chairs purchased uh, for the psychological health program. So one is in my office. And so all my clients that come in can use the massage chair. It's a full-body massage chair. Oh, nice. And then there's one in... um, the recruiter's building. I can't remember the number, but
0: fifty ten.
2: Fifty ten. Yeah, there's one in fifty ten in the recruiter's office, so anybody can go in and use it. There's an eight minute uh, quick re- relaxation uh, mode that you can put it on, and it's great. So I encourage everybody to try to
0: use that. Do you spend most of your day in it? Yeah, actually, I do. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, like you said, there's kind of a stigma with mental health. Yes, but. You have certain protections for people that want to seek you out.
2: Yes, I do. And I do have to abide by HIPAA guidelines So, um, because it is a, a medical uh, service. So so the confidentiality uh, people do, you know, when you talk with the uh, director of psychological health, myself, um, it is confidential. Uh, there is a caveat to that. Um, and, and the caveat is So the only way it wouldn't be confidential is if somebody was homicidal or suicidal, obviously, we would have to talk to command and the medical group. If they were in some sort of uh, treatment or inpatient treatment, we would have to talk to the commander medical group. If they were a risk to the mission, Uh, then, you know, we have to talk to the commander medical group. So, um, but if it's just somebody coming in uh, feeling a little depressed, you know, I get a lot of people that have relationship problems. And so we talk about that and we talk about coping skills or if it's somebody just coming in with a coworker issue or a work issue, it's totally confidential. My files are actually separate. And so medical, if it's not a medical issue, file, or if it's not a, a, a medical issue, then it's confidential in my filing cabinet. So medical doesn't even know who comes to see me. So it is confidential in that aspect.
0: What would you say to somebody uh, who's interested in coming to talk to you, but maybe feeling a little shy about it, let's say?
2: Yeah, so I mean I think it's it's I think it's hard to talk with somebody uh, you don't even know about private and intimate things. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that um, you know making sure that you had all the information about the confidentiality and you understand that. And I do go over that with clients. There's a, a statement of understanding that we do. We do a full uh, psychological health assessment when they come in and things like that. so I ask them a lot of questions and things like that. So and I mean, we can just meet and do a consultation just you know, off the off the record. And if they say, "Hey, I don't want to do this," then you know, that's okay. They, there's no uh, I'm not a mandatory service, so nobody can be mandatory and say, "You have to go see Linda Shu." So we can do a consultation, and if they think, hey, this is for me. Great. I'm going to make an appointment. Or hey, I think maybe I'm going to go to Military One Source and mm-hmm. get my 12 free sessions a year. I'm going to go do that. So that's something else, you know, they can do. So
0: um, some different options there. You, you mentioned earlier that um, you can see people three to five times. What is that? Is that... Like a Tricare thing, or what does that? what is that well, mean? Well,
2: it's it's meant to be uh, short term solution focused counseling. Oh, so, okay. So I'm not going to do you know necessarily uh, treatment per se. There's different po- protocols for treatment like PTSD and things like that that might take you know six months to eight months to do. So I'm not gonna. St- I'm not going to see somebody for a year long treatment per se. Um, When I say three to five sessions, I mean, it could be three to 10 sessions, three to 12 sessions. I mean, I'm not set on three to five sessions, you know, Um, however long it takes, but I, am not the therapist or the person that you're going to be doing therapy for the rest of your life. Sure. So to speak.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If, uh, you know, just something came to my head, um, beginning of the year, and I don't see a lot of smokers nowadays, but somebody's interested in uh stopping smoking can you can you kind of maybe guide them through that or what can you can you help them with that
2: yeah I mean we can do education we can do smoking sensation uh exor- um you know education things like that um we um i mean there's there's different services things they can do to quit and and things like that um there's relaxation um you know Im- guided imagery things like that we can do um, it, you know nicotine's an addiction and it really right. does um, have some people you know quite addicted so that's that's something we could certainly talk about yeah
0: when uh, new commanders come in and things like that what's your what's your message what, what what are your messages to commanders and supervisors about what you do and what you um I guess kind of what you do but what how to guide them into sending troops your way, I guess.
2: Well, I, you know, when new commanders come in, I, I make sure to meet them and and explain to them, you know, what the services are and and how to make referrals and things like that. But most of all, you know, I, I suggest, you know, getting, especially, you know, if somebody is um, well with first sergeants, they have a lot of troops, but if you're, a supervisor, you know, get to know your troop, you know, how are you doing? How's school? How's the family? Things like that. Getting to know your troop, I think, is is the way to help them. And then just not being afraid to uh, refer them out for services and, and kind of reassuring them about that confidentiality piece because I think, again, that's where we get the stigma. And so when I think about supervisors really you know, encouraging them. And and I do have supervisors calling me and they say, I have this situation and what do I do about this? Can this person come to see you? So they can call me and do consultations and things like that too. So, but knowing me, knowing where to reach me, knowing the resources, things like that is very, very important. So having uh, my phone number, email, you know, in your uh, phone is, is really a good thing if you're a supervisor, first sergeant or commander.
0: So, kind of going back to people that want to see you. Yes, it's confidential. Yes, how how does someone tell their supervisor that I'm going to go over to the Med Group and speak with Linda?
2: Well, they don't. It, well, it depends on on what status they're in. If they're in a traditional status, um, you know, they can they can come over and and see me and say I'm going to go to the medical group. They don't necessarily have to say, I'm going to see Linda Shue, the social worker. You know, they can say, I'm going over to medical group for an appointment. So okay. there's some confidentiality there. Um, during the week is a little different. I've had some people say they have to take, you know, time off sure. or take leave. It just depends on your supervisor and how they work that. Right. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can, you can. If you're okay with saying, "I'm, I'm going to come over and see Linda Shu uh, for a counseling appointment," that's fine. If not, uh, you can say, "I'm just going over to Med Group for an appointment," and so there's confidentiality that way as
0: well. That's uh, that's good. Um, is there anything else that I have not asked, or anything else that you would like to add that you can think of?
2: Um, I just, I just like to add that um, I really enjoy my job. I really enjoy the wing. Um, when I came on, uh, I'll, it'll be six years in April. Um, I was working in a mental health uh, setting. You know, doing uh, sitting in an office with no windows. You know, seeing eight patients a day, and so uh, which is fine, but. Um, now I can go out of my office, I can visit troops, I can do counseling. I also do suicide prevention programs. Oh, sure. So that's been an important role as well. Um, so what I really like about the job is the variety and and just the autonomy that I have. Um, it, it, it's been really good for me and I think even my mental health um, as far as uh, career choices and, and the way forward for myself. So really, really enjoy the wing and um, enjoy the, you know, helping the members.
0: You, you said you, uh, you were, you were national guard. Why did you choose, uh, to work? You could have worked anywhere in uh, the St. Louis area. Why did you choose to come work here at the wing as a uh, social worker?
2: I feel like, you know, the national guard for me was kind of like a family. I mean, you know, you, you don't really PCS, you don't really go anywhere. You stay in the same area, And so I really learned a lot from my National Guard unit, you know, working with them and being with them. And so I just, I felt like, um, well, one thing is I would not be where I am today had I not joined the military. And so I feel like some of it is even just giving back, you Mm -hmm. know, to the military. Uh, They gave me the structure. They gave me the... uh, organization they gave me the skills they paid for my college you know so part of it i think is giving back but i just really like the military community and i understand it i it took me a little while to go from the um acronyms from army to air force but yes. i'm i'm working it i'm working it <laughs> so but but i really enjoy the job and the population and um yeah i can't i can't imagine going back to the uh to the mental health of eight patients a day. Not for me anymore.
0: <laughs> are you from uh, are You from the St. Louis area or where are you from?
2: Well, originally I'm from uh, near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Grew up there. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then uh, joined the army in 1989. Uh, traveled to uh, Germany twice and then lived in uh, Alabama for a couple of years. Uh, got out in 94, got married, and then went to school and joined the National Guard. So originally from Pennsylvania, but I've lived now in Edwardsville, Illinois, for about 22 years. So I guess I'm from there now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I, think, I think that's it. Anything else you want to add? No, I, I, think, I think that is it. I just want to wish everyone a happy new year and um, get your goals ready, your resolutions ready. And if you have any questions or need anything, I'm, Benji and I are only a phone call away.
0: And what's that phone number? 618-363-1426. All right. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, Linda Shu, the uh,
1: director of psychological health. With your look around the Air Force, I'm Seniorman Airman Andalo Rosario. The Air Force's COVID-19 vaccination program is making progress in the new year. Select medical professionals and first responders are getting the first dose of the vaccine at installations across the globe. The first dose is going to people considered tier one professionals or essential workers. Stage one of the COVID vaccination plan is based on DOD prioritization which is consistent with the Centers for Disease Control's guidance. One commander says the vaccine is a critical addition to current health measures that will both protect the community and preserve the ability to accomplish the mission. Vaccines will be administered on a rolling basis as supplies become more readily available. Airmen are still urged to take regular precautions to slow the spread of COVID-19 by wearing appropriate masks, practicing social distancing, and hand washing. Mentorship is critical in the development of airmen as they progress through their careers. The Air Force is working to provide mentorship programs across all career fields to further development. General Arnold Bunch, Jr., commander of Air Force Materiel Command, shared his thoughts on what it takes to be an effective mentor.
0: A lot of times being a great mentor isn't immediately coming up on the net with an answer to what ought to be done. It's listening and understanding what the airman is, do, wants to do for their development and sharing then in a non-threatening manner and having a conversation and just educating a little bit.
1: The Air Force Materiel Command Mentorship Program encourages mentors to share first-person stories and experiences working through challenges to better airmen. And that's your look around the Air Force. I cannot wait to get the vaccine so I can go
0: back to concerts and see live sports like the Cardinals, Blues, and the number 24, St. Louis Billikins. I just feel like—I was just thinking about it this morning. I just feel like we've been in suspended animation over the past year, just kind of like hanging out, like, okay, just tell us when to, when, uh, to go again so that uh, we can get on with our lives and do the things that we uh, love to do. If you want to know if we're having a snow day or a delayed start— you can uh, call the Scott Air Force Base information hotline, 618-256-7232. The Scott Air Force Base, uh, the, uh, Scott Air Force Base Facebook page. Uh, you can also check our 126th Air Refueling Wing page. Or you, you know what? You know what you could also do? I have a very simple solution. Just call your supervisor. Maybe they know. Hopefully they, they know. Uh, this. There's more information on inclement weather on our 126th Air Refueling Wing Facebook page, Twitter or Instagram, or you can go to all three and read it all at three different times if you want. Uh, I know, man, we had some snow earlier in uh, during drill, actually. it looked. Uh, I thought it looked pretty promising there for a minute, and it didn't last long. You can find all of our links to our webpage and Facebook at linktr.ee forward slash 126ARW stop by our Facebook page and answer our ask an airman question for this month what are your goals for 2021 if you're watching on Facebook or Instagram don't forget you can also download this on your favorite podcast app my goal for this year I have two goals for this year finish my PMEs and get promoted to E7 Master Sergeant and ride 5,000 miles. Thanks for listening to Roll Call, a 126th Air Refueling Wing podcast focused on people, mission, and community. I'm Tech Sergeant Brian Ellison.